where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Have you ever noticed how much Jesus is on the move? I mean, really, he doesn't seem to sit still very often. Just even from his baptism forward, he goes from the river to the wilderness, from the streets to the Sea of Galilee, from the synagogue to the mountain. And it's only here that he seems to stop for more than a moment or more than a long breath. And there he is on the mountain with a great crowd that was following. At least that's what the story says, that it was a great crowd. And he said to those who had great need and to those who mourn and to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, you are blessed. He said to the merciful and to the peacemakers, you are blessed and you are the light of the world. He said to the humble and to the pure in heart, you are the salt of the earth. And those hearing would know that salt was a symbol of covenant, a symbol of mutual responsibility between God and God's people. And with that as the backdrop, you are blessed, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, comes this teaching the law and the prophets. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the heaven, kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It sounds like it got kind of serious, doesn't it? exceed the scribes and the Pharisees and I have this on today because there's a gun safety event but I'm in my Pharisee uniform religious leader the scribes are the people who are taking notes and I know some of you do and then he goes on to say a series of of six different teachings. You have heard that it was said, and then he says some kind of law, but I say to you, and then he says something else. Could you imagine being the note taker for that? Hey, you've heard it said, 
Yep, I'm with you, I'm with you. But I say, oh, wait a minute. I better write that down. One of the examples is you've heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. I don't know where that was said, but... But he says, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I don't know about you, but I never got the first message. I was raised on the second message. But I see the first one in practice all the time. And not just in others, in myself too. Each time, something familiar became something that was probably a little bit confusing, probably a lot challenging. Because Jesus put the rules in the context of covenant. Beyond the familiar or the common to covenant in the context of God's kingdom or God's kingdom. He went on and on. So much so that I think even Jesus saw that folks were overwhelmed with what he was saying. So we broke it down into a memorable line that fits within the old parameter for tweeting. You know, tweeting started as 140 characters. It's been increased to 280. I guess it's hard to condense. But Jesus got it. He said, this is the law of the prophets. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. Yes. The golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's not so easy. I wonder, for as much as this, this teaching stands out as important, I have to tell you, it doesn't come to my mind very often. Does it come to yours? Do to others as you would have them do to you. Does that come to your mind before you go to someone's house or come to church or go to the grocery store or don't go to the grocery store? Or as you're driving, talking on the phone, The topic of laws comes up a lot in the Gospels. There's one instance where Jesus and his students were walking through a field and they were plucking the heads off the wheat and eating them. And one of the Pharisees said to Jesus, "Uh, you know, that's not lawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, they were hungry. There's precedent for this. And he went into sort of uh, made his case, if you will. There's another instance where there's worry about what goes in the mouth. You know, like what you're eating, the food prescriptions. And Jesus saw this rather than worrying about what goes in to your mouth, which really prevents you from sharing tables with a lot of people if it's a strict diet, rather eat what's placed before you. 
Be concerned about what comes out of your mouth, not what goes into your mouth. These are the ways that Jesus would sort of mix things up a little bit. Not for the purpose of mixing things up, but for the purpose of expanding what seemed common and asking people to take into consideration the relationship aspect. So what seemed to be fixed and solid as a container, like this is the law, actually had some flex to it. And in some cases, the focus was a complete pivot. So the Pharisees saw plucking grain on the Sabbath, red flag. Jesus sees people who are hungry, green light. Jesus says it's not about the food you eat, it's about eating together. It's about being with. Don't let the food you consume divide you. Jesus says it's not about who you love, it's how you love. I think if Jesus were here today, he'd say it's not about gender binary. It's about authentic expression. So it's not fixed. It's fluid. And sometimes, perhaps more often than not, we need to revisit the rules we live by. This community has a practice of revisiting things because church is no exception to the need to revisit. I don't know about you, but when I, in my early years, when I was going to church and being raised in the Christian tradition, it was a fixed and solid container. First you get baptized, then you take communion, then you go to confirmation to confirm what was said for you at your baptism. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeah. Baptism as a sacrament is spoken about as a point of entry. Okay, that makes sense for some. It's usually a decision made by parents for infants, but for adults, that can come much later. The point of entry is the door. Crossing that threshold is not nothing. For some, a point of entry after crossing the threshold is singing in the choir, or playing in the bell choir, or coloring at the back table. And then on communion Sundays, there's the sharing of bread and cup. Now, I bet some of you, like me, were taught that you must confess before you receive from the table. 
I don't know, sometimes I've been more inclined to confess something, to confront something within myself, or to notice something within myself as I'm leaving the table. Or after I've eaten, not before. And the same thing with confirmation. I mean, we require people, historically, require people to be baptized to go through confirmation, but not here. Sometimes confirmation leads people to want to be baptized. The point is the relationship. And the relationship needs to mirror what a relationship of love and grace with God might be like. And so it's true that for some, this sequence makes a lot of sense, but not for everyone. It's worth revisiting. As people of the covenant, our practices are not fixed. They have to have some flex. We need to make sure that there's access. And while I get it, I like order, actually. I love math. You know, there's a right answer. There's a sequence that you go through for algebraic equations. But you know, a teacher once said, you gotta learn how to do long division and multiplication because you're not always gonna have a calculator in your pocket. (laughs) We have a computer in our pocket. It's even better. Because I don't know why they should be able to, but most of us could not see what was coming. Who knew? A few people did, I guess, or they imagined it and brought it into being. The same is true for being a sacred community. Now, that's not to say that there's no parameters, because there are. But within the parameters, we have people over prescriptions, relationships over rules, and it's not about perfection. It's about partnership. And even here in this community, within the context of covenant and partnership, there have been people who have said, hey, we need to look at this. And we do because that's our way of practicing church. Now on this Martin Luther King weekend, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. will be quoted a lot this weekend. And I want to invite you to consider the speeches and the protests. You might see clips of this or hear clips What if we were to look at them as a plea or a call to revisit practices? Because really that's what it is, isn't it? Isn't part of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy that he humanized people who were dehumanized? 
and he called it out? Or at least he tried, and there are people who are still trying. We have to acknowledge the ways, both historically and currently, that we have missed the mark. We've missed the mark of covenant of God's kingdom, where the values of safety, access, opportunity, and inclusion are primary. Those are the marks. They haven't always been, but they've been clarified over time, haven't they? Are there practices that you need to revisit? How many of you have revisited practices because of the addition of a family member? Or even the addition of a four-legged family member? We revisit practices all the time. Where are there partnerships that need to be developed? Where there are practices that have kept them apart? Same question goes for church. We've revisited a lot of practices with online viewing, haven't we? We're going to hear an anthem called Wade in the Water, which I'm sure will be familiar to so many of you. And it's an anthem that talks about God troubling the water because there's a hidden and a meaning not obvious meaning to this. Going into the water, wading in the water, makes a way for liberation by getting off the trail. Dogs can't follow a scent in water. People can't follow footsteps in water. And this song is inviting us to remember that you can only follow in the footsteps of our ancestors for so long. Eventually, we have to get off the well-worn trail. We have to get off the well-worn trail and wade in the water and follow the ways of Jesus. He's going to bring us to places we've never been. He already has. Let's not make him sit still for too long. That's not who he is. And that's not what it means to be in covenant. So let's get off the law of the land. Let's get into the water. And let's see where Jesus leads us.